Well, good morning, church family. It's good to see you guys here this morning. I, man, we are jumping in to part four of our teaching series, The Unseen Realm. I love that as Pastor Brandon brought on stage, man, our 9 a.m. had a, just a special moment of child dedication. And it was, it was I, there's a part of me that absolutely just loves ceremonies in a sense of this. It's a moment to remember. And those families that were on stage have a moment to remember. They're kids that we prayed over. Some may never remember that moment, but we seal it in the Holy Spirit in that moment. And so that was very special. You know what else is special? I love baptisms. Love baptisms. Here's the reason why I love baptisms. It shows us the next steps of following Jesus Christ. And it's going public for your faith. I love baptisms. And so, coming up, November 13th, get signed up if you have not taken your next, next step. Get signed up with baptisms. And we're doing at both services, 9 and 11, is our baptisms here. And if you haven't been baptized before, I urge you to get baptized. Over and over, the stories of people getting dunked in the water representing that you are dead to the things you once, that once were living, and to be raised out of that water as a symbolic uh, signature of new life now. The old is gone, the new is here. And to publicly declare your faith, there's just something that is amazing about that. So if you haven't signed up and you haven't been baptized, I urge you, go to the radiantlife.church and you can get signed up that way. And Pastor Brandon will be reaching out to you for the next steps with baptism. Sound good? Man, I'm going to tell you something. You better get ready. <laughs> um, no, this is, this, is a, this is a praise. There was a moment where I didn't want to share this, but I felt like I should because it's all praise and honor to God and praise to you guys. See, we're a Wesleyan church that belongs to the Great Lakes region of the Wesleyan church, which is Michigan, Illinois, and Wisconsin. There's about maybe 170 churches in there. And we have a regional superintendent who spoke here several times before, Chris Conrad. He's technically my boss. And he spoke uh, uh, several times here a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago or so. Uh, my wife and I and Pastor JB and his wife, we went on uh, to a conference with him down in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, did you know Nashville's the fastest growing city in America? Side note. Okay, back to the topic. <laughs> And so um, we, we were there, and the first night we went out, just there's other pastors from our region there, but the first night it was just my wife, Katie, and I, JB, Pastor JB, and his wife, Lisa, and Chris, our boss. And we went there, and we went out at this burger joint that was awesome. And, um, you know, he showed us something on his phone. And he's like, I just need to show you guys something. This is really cool. And again, about 170 churches in our region. Again, Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois. About 170 Wesleyan churches there. He says, look at our stats. And he was looking at all the stats across the 170 combined churches. You know, baptism, salvations, uh, all, all this stuff. And then he says, look at individually of the churches and where the last year, how many the churches, how many had baptism. You know where Radiant Life was listed out of the 170 churches in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Illinois? We were second in the most baptisms. And that is, 
not anything to do with Pastor Ryan or any pastor or Radiant Life. That has to do about the kingdom of God. Amen? And so I was like blown away. The first church that was there, again, this is all kingdom, which is awesome. I celebrate. They have an international campus and other campuses in Michigan. And it's like little old Sturgis, Michigan, Radiant Life. Here we are. And we had the second most, and I just, it's awesome, and I praise God, I want to share that because God deserves all honor, glory, and praise, amen? And we move towards progression, that our call and our faith is never to be stagnant. There's always more. May we be a church of more. May we be a church that never gets stagnant and stops growing in our walk with Christ. Oh, I hope and pray you get signed up for baptism. It's going to be fun. Turn your neighbor and say, get signed up. All right. We're jumping into part four. Here we go. That's my announcement. Okay. We're working through this idea that there are two realms that exist. The physical realm that you and I engage in and see, but there's a spiritual realm as well that we cannot see. But you and I engage it whether we know it or not. It tries to trip us up. And the writer, Paul, writes to the church in Ephesus, to those Christians in Ephesus, the letter of Ephesians, and we get this, Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your struggle is not against your spouse. Your struggle is not against your kid, the coworker you dislike, your neighbor, the other political party, that's not it. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the what, friends? Heavens. That there is that other reality you and I just are not privy to seeing. But there is a spiritual battle all around us. And I want to tell you something. Remember, God is victorious. You will always come on top in the name of Jesus Christ. Walk by the Spirit and we won't sow to the flesh. And we've been unpacking this idea of these three things that show up in Scripture in this, uh, 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 that gets normalized in society that tends to trip us up. These three things of uh, the devil... We talked about him two weeks ago and where he came from. This beautiful angel that surrounded God's throne. And he said five I will statements. He elevated himself higher than God. And God threw him down from heaven. And the third of the angels rebelled and they have become what we know today all throughout scripture is demons. Throwing angels that had obviously free will because they chose to go with the devil. And he comes after you and I with deceptive ideas and lies. It says in scripture, and we looked at it two, two weeks ago, that the nature, his native tongue is a lie. Because a lie is counter to truth. And God is true. And he is fully true. So what way to combat against God is to combat with a lie. I needed to say this, and I forgot to say it during two weeks ago when we talked about the devil. The devil is not the son of, or not the brother of Jesus. There's, there's that thing out there that I was like, oh, that, you know, there's the, the yin and the yang. This must be Jesus is the light and the devil's the dark. No, he's the fallen angel. That's who the devil is. He is not the brother of Jesus. He's a fallen angel. And this is what 2 Corinthians said. This is sneaky. He's sneaky. 
2 Corinthians 11, 14. And no wonder for Satan, Satanus, which is in the Greek, disguises himself as an angel of what? Light, right? How tricky. All I got to do is look good and get that little deceptive idea or lie in them. That's all I got. But remember, Satan is not everywhere. He is limited and he is powerless over the name of God. We got to rest in that and know that. Then those deceptive ideas that are thrown at us play into what's known as the flesh that Pastor Josh talked last week. The flesh being that disordered loves and desires within us. We'll talk about it in just a moment. That eventually get played out and practiced and normalized in a sinful society called the world. Next week, we're going to talk about the world. We're going to talk about issues that will probably make you uncomfortable. So can I ask you this? Will you please pray for me this next week? I hope you pray all the time for me. But will you please particularly pray your pastor up for next week? Because I know one of two things. Number one, there's an enemy of our soul that does not want this message to be spoken next week. And number two, as I make some of you uncomfortable next week, I pray that you would not walk out of here angry at your pastor. I want you to walk out here wrestling with the word of God. Because just because society has normalized sin does not mean we bow to that. But we were counteract that with grace and truth. Because that's what Jesus did. He said he came with grace and truth. And so next week, I don't want to call it PG-13 message, but it'll be like if you got littles, you may want to, unless you want to have really good conversations at home. It's up to you. That's the, I'm not going to talk birds and bees, but we'll talk some things, okay? Sound good and fair? Turn to your neighbor and say, he'll still love us next week. I love you guys. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't be here. All right, let's jump in. Remember, uh, Pastor Josh brought this slide. I brought it a couple weeks ago. Uh, The flesh. The flesh in the Greek is sarks. Let me hear you say sarks. Now, we didn't say it correctly because none of us can roll the R appropriately in the Greek, right? But it's sarks, and this is the idea of our sinful human nature. It's not the flesh, like flesh and bones. It's sarks, meaning our sinful human nature, and it's played out in other ways by the New Testament writers as your sinful passions, your corrupt desire, or your evil desire. There is something to do with the flesh when we talk about the flesh, I love what Eugene Peterson wrote in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. The flesh is the corruption that sin has introduced into our very appetites and instincts. It's, it's the flesh inside of us that's bent in sin. That is the flesh that the New Testament writers are getting at. In other words, let me put it this way. The flesh is the part of our heart that is bent away from God and turned in on itself. And we're going to unpack that here in a moment. But it's the bent nature. Remember what we've said. You and I never have to teach our kids to sin. Right? They're good at it. Why? Because they're born with a sinful nature that is bent away from God. Guess what? 
You and I are pretty good at that too. Because it's the flesh. It's that thing inside of us that wants to turn away from God. And we walk that way. So we say, we say things like, I was just born with that addiction because my grandpa struggled with it, my dad struggled with it, now I struggle with it. I would say that is a bending away from God in this direction. And we call it a generational sin. Or we say, I, well, I was just born this way. I mean, so you're born as an adulterer? A bent, and they bent towards sin away from God's plan. Well, it's just who I am. It's just my nature. Because your nature is bent away. It's what? Bent away. It's bent away from God. That is the corruption of sin in this world. Bending away from God is the flesh. I love in Romans, we looked at this a couple weeks, but I want to bring it back. Paul's writing to the house churches in Rome trying to figure out how to be a Christian, how to live a godly life in Rome. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the what, friends? The flesh. And watch his next words. Sold as a slave to sin. You sit there and so to the flesh. You are enslaved to sin now. And Paul's sitting there going, I don't like this. This is what's happening. He goes, for I don't understand what I'm doing because I don't practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. You and I know exactly what he's talking about. We know, I, I, why do I keep looking at this thing? Why do I keep spending like this? Why do I keep behaving like this or have these attractions and I don't like it? I know this is God's way, but I'm at war. And you and I know the tension of this verse. Because you know it. God, why do, I, why do I keep tripping up over the sin? I know it's not good for me. But I keep tripping up over and over. And I'm doing what I hate. Paul goes on. So now I'm no longer the one doing it. But it is the sin living in me. Because sin is alive and it needs to die. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there's no ability to do it. For I don't practice, here we go, tongue twister, Paul, thank you. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I don't want to do. Feel the tension? Now if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discover this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. When I want to do good and follow the way of Christ, there is something evil that is trying to bend me away from God's plan. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law. You know why we all delight in God's law? Because we know it's good. Because we know that's where true freedom is. He says, I delight in that. 
But I see a different law on the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Turn your neighbor and say, you're a wretched. No, don't do that. Don't do that. But you've been there. Hey, God, I'm not worthy. I'm wretched. I'm poor. Why would you love me, God? Because I keep doing this thing I don't want to do. I'm living into the flesh, the bending away, the sinful passion, the lustful passions over here. I'm not doing what you want me to do. Who am I? Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is your rescuer. Turn your neighbor and say, Jesus Christ is your rescuer. Oh, I tell your other neighbor, you need to say it with authority, friends. He is your rescuer. He is your redeemer. That's who Jesus Christ is. So then, with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, my bent away towards God's plan and desire, I will serve the law of sin. And you and I know the tension. You know the sinful nature, the flesh, and the spiritual nature, the spirit of God living in you. Feel at times, it's at war. And we feel the tension there. We know what it's like. And we know exactly we can jump 2,000 years ago into Paul's letter right there and go, yep, Paul, I can relate. I can relate. I love what Dr. Barnhouse says as he looks about the flesh throughout history, about Christians living into this idea of the flesh. He says this, history shows that man, referring to man and woman, prefer illusions to realities because a lie is always an illusion. The illusion that thinks happiness if I buy into this lie. And you think when you buy into that lie, that sin will give you happiness and you think you'll experience joy, but only true joy comes from Jesus Christ. And our flesh bends us. He says, you'll prefer illusions to realities. Choose time rather than eternity and the pleasures of sin for a season. It seems good for a season rather than the joys of God forever. Man will read trash. Let me sit on that for a moment. Man will read trash rather than the word of God. Man will marinate in news stations more than the word of God. Remember, CNN and Fox News, they have their agenda. They have their agenda. I hope you're getting your biblical worldview from God's word and not a news program. I hope you're getting the guidance and the light of your life through God's word rather than social media. I am more and more, I haven't been on Facebook for five weeks. It is like freedom to me. I'm serious. I'm sorry if I haven't responded to you via messenger because I haven't been on it in five weeks. I'm sure my inbox is whoop, but I'm sitting there going, dude, I got freedom. I don't need to sit in that cesspool and just scroll and waste my time. You know what I'm saying? Right? You know what? I got amens from like two of you because the rest are really convicted in this moment. So you guys, you get that, right? There's great things you can do with social media, right? I'm not, I'm, I feel like I'm always bashing social media. I want you to be careful. 
that in comparison to the word of God, how much am I consuming? Just think about that. And adhere to a system of priorities which will eventually normalize sin known as the world that leaves God out of their lives. That's what we'll do. The sinful nature at war with the spirit. And I love then all of a sudden Peter writes this about false teachers. Here's what he says about false teachers. And you see it played out today. Second Peter 2 says this. For by uttering boastful, empty words, they seduce with, what are those two words? Fleshy desires. They're seducing you on corrupt information that will appeal to your disordered desire and your disordered love. The thing that bent you away from God, that's what they're going to seduce you with. Make sense? This is why the New Testament writers talk all about our sinful nature, nature and our passions because the flesh will lead to destruction and debauchery. People who have barely escaped from those who live in air, they promise freedom. Oh, just do what your flesh wants to do. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. We are enslaved by the flesh. The flesh will always defeat you. Always defeat you. Because we're not called to walk by the flesh. We're called to walk by the spirit of God. Because we can't walk by the flesh. Because it's enslaved to sin. And that's where big troubleful, troubled decisions are made. Our disordered desires and our disordered loves lead us down this path called the flesh that leads to destruction. And we leave our heads scratching, why? Why? And Romans 7, 5 says this, for when we are in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit for what, friends? Death. The fruit of the flesh is death. Spiritually, you are dead. Sow to the flesh and reap slavery. But sow to the spirit and reap freedom. Whoo, that deserved a little bit better. Amen. Thank you from the back there. Amen, friends. Come on. You know. Whether you've walked it or you've seen someone else walk it, sowing and feeding the flesh will lead to the slavery and never experience true life. But true life comes from Jesus Christ and the spirit of God living in you and through you. That is where true freedom comes from. Freedom in the New Testament, the writers call freedom from internal oppression. That internal oppression, it's freedom from the slavery to desire to sin or the slavery that brings us into the flesh. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. Here's the issue. The world has flipped this term freedom. Forgive me for my pun, but let this pun sit and I'll explain it. The world's freedom is defined this way. 
Do whatever the hell you want. And I use that intentionally. Meaning, do whatever is bent away from God. Do whatever that is bent away from the presence of God in your life. Do that. Which is hell, the absence of God. And it's do that. Go ahead, because freedom should be enjoy everything there is to offer in this world. Oh, don't forget, God is the creator. There are good things, but there are some really bad things to enjoy too. Do those things. Sleep with whoever you want. Say whatever you want. Buy whatever you want. Desire whatever you want. That's what the flesh does. The flesh. You live in the flesh. We create an idol. And it's the idol of self. I'll do what I want to do. You and I, if followers of Jesus, please listen. God gives beautiful boundaries because he says that's where true life comes from. God knows us better than we know ourselves. He says, there's the line. And this line over here, 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 just stay there. Because as soon as you step outside the line, all destruction is going to come. And as soon as you step outside the line, not what it is. You think you have freedom, but the problem is you're enslaved to sin now. The flesh. And you've idolized yourself over me. And the problem is, self always leads to slavery. You are now bound by that. The biggest thing I truly believe in life, even in the Christian culture, is that we have an idol of self. I'll do what I want to do. Let no authority tell me what to do. I have my rights. I should do what I want to do. No, you come under God. It is no longer I who live, but Christ Jesus who lives in me. I don't get to do whatever I want anymore. Because if I do, I know I'm in that slavery and I'm in that cycle of being enslaved to sin now. And you see this everywhere. You see this everywhere. People enslaved to sin because they're following the flesh which idolizes self. And as long as you take that journey, you'll never, ever live into the promise of Jesus Christ in John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and have it in what? Abundance. Sow to the flesh and reap slavery. Sow to the spirit and you'll reap freedom. And now you look, you say, Ryan, maybe I've been sowing a little bit too much of the flesh. And you know right now where you're at, you know the bondage you're in. You know that slavery, you know that feeling. And you're tired of it. And there's two things that I believe in Galatians that Paul writes as the antidote to this. 
One of those is we'll get into two weeks from now, we'll get into this idea of walking by the Spirit. But he says this in Galatians 5, 24. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have, can we read those three words together? Have crucified the flesh. Crucify, meaning to impale on a cross. To utterly destroy the thing with its passions and its desires. Paul's writing to the churches in that region of southern present-day Turkey known as Galatia. He says, you, you belong to Jesus Christ now. You're his. You're part of the family of God. Put the flesh on the cross. Kill the thing. He doesn't say, run away from it. He doesn't say, flirt a Flirt with it a little bit. See what happens. He says, kill the thing with its passions and desires. Because Paul knew this and so did Christ Jesus. The beginning of true life is death. And as soon as you and I are able to crucify the flesh, nail it and impale that thing to the cross, saying, God, I'm done with it. I'm done. It no longer leads my life. But it is you. Life will come. And Jesus knew it. Because he went to the cross and experienced death so you and I can be birthed new in the name of Jesus. Amen? Praise God that that tomb was emptied three days later and now sin and death has been defeated and you and I can experience a new life with Christ. Let me ask you this morning. What's that thing? What's that part of the flesh that you got to crucify today? Where you're going, God, I got to nail this thing to the cross. Help me crucify it because I am enslaved to it. But you came to give me life and life in abundance. I want to experience that. Jesus was talking to his disciples. And he gives us another clue on how to do this. I'm going to show you in two different translations. In Matthew chapter 16, we're found that Jesus is having a conversation with his 12 guys, known as the disciples. He's having a conversation about what does it truly mean to follow after Rabbi Jesus. And Jesus says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself Take up the cross and follow me. The NLT says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Following after Jesus means giving up your own way. Denying yourself crucify the flesh and it is no longer you who is living but Christ Jesus living in you 
What needs to go on the cross today? What needs to go on the cross? We're singing a song. It's called Fresh Wind. There's a line in this song that says, we need a fresh wind. The fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out. See, you cannot defeat the flesh with willpower because willpower is limited, but spirit power is beyond us. And we need the Holy Spirit we got to be willing to get on our knees and say, God, crucify the flesh. So the team's going to play it, and I'm going to invite you to do whatever posture of worship is needed for you. I'm going to ask our prayer partners, you can go down to the sides, and maybe right now you, you just like, whether it's you, that you're like, I, I just want someone to pray because I've been struggling with this thing. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I'm going to go because I know I got a family member that needs Jesus right now. The prayer partners are down on the sides. And we're going to sing this song together and you can stand, you can sit, you can raise your hands, you can come to the altar and have your own moment with the Lord to crucify the flesh or just say, I want more of you, Holy Spirit. I can't live by the flesh. I must walk by the Spirit. So let us worship with this idea of reckless abandonment. You and God, I need more. I need more. The flesh is winning, but I need you, Holy Spirit. So take whatever posture you need and let's worship from the bottom of our spirit. Say, I I need more. I need more. We need your power and we need your presence in our life. sin nature is bent away from you, God. But God, thank you. Thank you for filling us with the power to defeat the flesh. Thank you so much. Help us to be a community that is willing to do the hard thing and crucify the flesh. Some of us have been holding on to this so long, it feels like it's just a part of us. I think that's also a reason why we don't want to do it because sometimes it does hurt a little bit. It feels like something's lost, but God, that loss is just death. And you have freedom for us. So help us to be honest you, honest with ourselves, and honest with others, brothers and sisters in Christ, because we need you. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need you. environment though.
There's two antidotes to the flesh. Galatians 5.16. And I say then, walk by the Spirit. And Paul gives us the result of walking by the Spirit. And he will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. That's antidote number one. Walk by the Spirit. And we'll talk about that more in depth in two weeks. Because when you walk by the Spirit, the flesh has ceased from leading your life. It is now the Spirit that is leading your life. To walk by, to live by, to be led by the Spirit of God. But I want to give us two practices. And then we'll close up the song two practices that we can walk out of here two spiritual disciplines that will help us battle the flesh as well and it will help us honestly battle the world and that's these two practices prayer and fasting prayer and fasting because this is what prayer does prayer connects us to God Prayer is not an event, it's a lifestyle of constant communication with God. You can pray with your eyes open, pray with them shut, pray when you're driving, just keep one hand on the wheel, you gotta pray like that, that's fine, do it. Moms and dads, if you've had a chance, or anyone who's had a chance to walk with a child, you know the intimacy when the child tells them tells you and shares their heart with you and you love to hear that and so does our heavenly father he loves to hear from his children and it constantly is connection to God but what fasting does is it disconnects us from the flesh and the world a true biblical fast that you see in God's word is to abstain from food. It could be a long time, it could be a short time, a meal that you just abstain from. So when the hunger pains and you're hitting that painful moment of because you decided to give up lunch for X number of days or weeks, because in those moments you're gonna dedicate your lunch hour to seeking the face of God. And when the hunger pain goes, that's a reminder that my flesh wants something right now. My body wants food, but the true food will be God's word and God's presence. And so we as a church in the middle of our series together, we'll be doing a 21 days of prayer and fasting starting in eight days from today on Halloween, 1031, All Saints Day. And we will go 21 days and wrap up November 20th. I'm telling you now so you can prepare and seek the Lord of what your fast is going to be. My encouragement for the entire body of Radiant Life is that we will give up a meal or two for 21 days. That we will abstain from breakfast, lunch, whatever, you work it out with the Lord. And that hour or 30 minutes dedicated to eating that food, you would dedicate it to prayer. 
I also think there's a, something called the soul fast that is healthy for you. You may, would you do this in relationship to a true biblical fast of abstaining from food? If some of you need a soul fast and just get off social media for a while, turn off the TV, stop watching Netflix, do whatever you got to do. Just break away from the things of the world that has anchored you down and breaking away from the flesh. And I want to remind you that fasting is not ultimately about what we let go of. It's not ultimately about letting go of lunch or dinner or breakfast, but who will let take hold of us and his name is Jesus. That's what we want. So we'll start not tomorrow, but in a week from Monday. We'll talk about it as a reminder next week we're going to enter into a season of spiritual disciplines for the church of 21 days of prayer and fasting and here's the last thing we wanted to kind of put a capstone to that entire 21 days and what we're going to do Wednesday, November 16th, right here in this room at 7pm is do a 90 minute evening called encounter night 90 minutes of being in this room just seeking the Lord encountering Holy Spirit and right now I'm asking you if you know you're going to be there for that 90 minutes you know you're coming right now on your calendar Wednesday, November 16th at 7 I'm asking us as a church to please sign up there's a reason why you can go to the website right now and sign up if you want but one of the reasons why is this it's going to be an interactive complete dark, not complete, there'll be some lights, but we'll, we'll, we'll darken this room out. And there's going to be very intimate encounter moments. And we want to have enough supplies for you so we can all do the same activity things like that. So that's why we're asking for a registration so we know how much supplies to get ready for you for this 90-minute encounter night. Are we doing it for us? To try to help us to not walk by the flesh walk by the Spirit of God. Amen? Isn't God good? And all the time, God is good. Aren't you thankful He doesn't leave you in the mess of life? But He sees you. And he picks you up. And says, this is the way to true life. Abundance experience a little bit of heaven on earth right now before you're six feet under and we have nothing to offer but a heart of gratitude of praise to say thank you Jesus so church family will you please rise and we're going to sing a song as a close called gratitude may it be a song of knowing that God sees you right where you're at He's saying, crucify the flesh, walk by the Spirit. And may we all worship this moment with reckless abandonment that we will truly not care about the person on our left or right or in front of us or behind us, but it's a heart of you and Jesus. Gratitude and thankfulness. Gratitude and thankfulness for life that comes in abundance from you, Jesus. So let us worship with reckless abandonment and give all praise and honor and glory to our one Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.